Hi, hello, bonjour, everyone, welcome. Um, we're here for an hour and a half to um, consider a practice meditation and also consider a Buddhist uh, philosophy and see how that could be uh, helpful for us in our lives. So um, the way we do this uh, habitually here is... Uh, I try to say a few words that are meant to be uh, informative about the practice, a little bit like instructive instructions, and hopefully inspiring also, so the mix of both, so that we can actually dive in the meditation and uh, practice together for a number of minutes, maybe 20, 25 minutes, and then talk more about um, uh, that practice or philosophy and so, um, how to go about it uh, today? So, what I've been uh, carrying with me this week in the different classes is um, is a thing that I've. Uh, it's been um, even last week. I was sitting on retreat with others, and uh, this framing seemed very useful. So, you see if uh, you, you might have heard that before, or if it's useful for you today. So in the Buddhist uh, thoughts, we think we uh, present uh, uh, understanding is presented in, at three levels. Three levels of understanding. So there's a level. Understanding is really much linked to uh, wisdom and the opening of the heart, like the wisdom of the heart, the, the compassion, uh, joy, uh, equilibrium of the heart and emotions. And so, uh, three ways to uh, bring understanding. So the first way is through information. And we see this in our society. We receive information about stuff. Some information is useful to help us navigate. You know, Oh, take a right over there, then take a left on this one. Oh, okay. This information is useful. And so this is good. Good news. Very valued in our society. In, uh, so another way or deeper level, let's present it like this today, a deeper level of uh, understanding would uh, include reflection. So what does that mean for me in my life? So not so much, doesn't maybe apply with directions <laughs> of the sorts I presented, but more, let's say, uh, in, uh, in, um, in Buddhism we talk a lot about uh, the ephemerality of phenomena, the impermanence, imper things are impermanent. Health, life, gatherings are impermanent. Youth, maybe you don't know that yet. <laughs> you think it's not going to apply to you. And uh, so youth, uh, different things. And so if we hear this information, oh, in Buddhist philosophy, impermanence is a big concept or a big thing, you know. And then we could reflect on it and say, oh, is how has that played out for me? Oh, it's true that I've resisted change sometimes or feared it or fear change that are going to come at some point in my life, you know, around maybe health or aging or, or death. Oh, no, I don't want to think about it. So maybe we can do something about it that we say, oh, yeah, things have gone. It's very touching to think that things, things pass, you know, that that's common to all human beings, that they lose things, you know. And so, ah, suddenly it seems almost like the heart is a little bit more welcome in that contemplative or reflective uh, 
level of understanding. And then there's a third level of under, understanding that is not, I don't think is very valued. Mm. We might even, many people might not even know about it. And so that level is called meditation. So it's a level where it's uh, preconceptual. So we're not actually thinking, we're not using words to think about our lives or different things. We're actually using our body to feel. That would be one way to describe it. We're using our body, so it's another kind of knowledge. It's, uh, it's a sensitive, sens- sens- sensitized, sen- sensory knowledge. So it's that field. Whoa. And so if we spend a lot of our time in our ideas about the world, maybe some of us, we don't get to experience the world so much. We think about it a lot, you know, later and moi here and what could it be? Could it have been? Or what will it be? Or what was it? You know, these are all stories. They're not actually experienced. They're, um, they're, Mythologies, we could say, like stories being told that we are fascinated about, you know, the rest of the day, you know, what are you going to do after the class, you know, well, you know, we have to defrost the something, you know, but you're not actually experiencing the defrosting, you know, you're, you're creating that thing, or maybe there'll be, I don't know what, you know, or, oh, no, there'll be, you know. And so, in the meditation, we go, we, we actually renounce, we let go, and maybe we'll have to do this several times in a few minutes, renounce the world of concepts, of words, and go towards the felt sense of experience. So, let's say with, um, for example, with this um, uh, idea of impermanence, of change, dynamism, eph- ephemerality of experience then we would not think about it. We would actually sit there and experience it. Experience the body going from comfortable to uncomfortable. Becoming, having a... So here we're practicing um, mindfulness or fullness of presence to the experience of the senses. And I'll be guiding this. But when we have a, a high quality uh, attention presence, so we're not actually in the other levels thinking about stuff, stuff to do. And if we let go of these levels and we just come on that level, suddenly we'll have an experience probably of intimacy, intimacy with uh, sitting, intimacy with breathing. We're not going to be occupied under occupation. Uh, our heart will not be colonized in in a way. You know, they'll be available and they'll be able to feel the experience of breath, the passage of breath, the birth of a breath, the passage of it, even the arising of a sound and the passing of it, the arising of an idea and the passing of it, the presence maybe of a certain mood, and if we stay sitting long enough, we'll probably see that mood change. It'll go from curious to bored, or you'll go from bored to curious, <laughs> or any other thing. You'll be, go from open to suddenly worried about something, and then that worry will also disappear at some point, and there'll be something else. Ring the bell. Where's the bell? When is the bell ringing? You know, and the thing that was uh, a little obsessive in my mind about later or future, you know, 
suddenly it'll disappear for a while because there'll be a strange noise coming from the street or something, you know. And so if we stay there, uh, quietly, attentively, we'll actually get to experience the passing nature of uh, phenomena. And so that's the field we're invited to play in. It's a field of the felt, a field of not the conceptualized, not the thought. And to enter that field, we have to let go of um, acquiring mind, the mind that wants to get something. You might have come here to get something. You might think, oh, I'm going to go to a meditation class because I might get uh, a little bit more centered or quiet. All good on the way here. Once we get here, uh, one way that is sometimes presented is you'll have to enter naked. It means, not literally, <laughs> don't worry, <laughs> we're fine. But it means that you're going to, we're going to, me too, we're, we're all going to have to let go of our acquiring mind. Let me improve, self-improving thing, not here. Here, the task is actually very, very simple is just to feel, or the feel is at any sense door. It could be the hearing. It could be suddenly becoming aware of the quality of the light in the room, or the temperature, even if it's uh, you know not extremely hot or cold. So do you feel the sensitivity landing in your body as it does that to me as I'm describing it. And I'm like, oh, temperature. So not so much my ideas about temperature. My God, it's a good day, whatever. Is it going to last? You know, whatever it is. You know, I would prefer if they had left the AC on. Or, oh, it's good. They closed the AC. You know, yeah. not the ideas about it. That's the conceptual realm uh, or the reflections about it. But the felt sense of it is pretty silent. It's just that um, soundscape. That environment. Or the hands. Not my thoughts about them or image about them, but the experience now of hands touching where they are. The little heat there, or tingling, or relaxation. It's a particular field that we're invited to play in. It's to enter that field and not tell so much life what it is or should be or could be or will be, but to actually let it talk its felt language. And so that's the task. Very easy. Like if I invite you to feel the um, eyelids right now or eyes. It doesn't require big effort. Huh? It just appears or feel the feet now. Oops, they just, boom. they appear in reality. Coldness or touch or so something there, probably. Even if it's space, that would be good enough. And so the task is very easy. It's just to pay attention. It doesn't require much effort. It's, it's just, a, just a little intention, a little framing, a little attitude, a little almost nothing so that's the task and uh, because this is the field we're going to be playing in or discovering that's going to become vibrant it's the field of the heart 
And so doing this uh, in a friendly way, with a friendly attitude, is usually helpful. Because sometimes we start meditating, like, okay, let me do it, what's the job, you know? Yeah. This is not the personality that is required for the job. You can say, thank you, love, so gung-ho, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you can rest, you know? It's just uh, a friendly meeting with hearing. A benevolent meeting with breath, you know, chest rising or belly rising and falling. It's extremely simple. It's just non-violent. It doesn't even have to be like extremely friendly. Oh, let's be friend, me and the breath. It's not <laughs> even like that. It's just like, oh, breathing is happening. It's a kind of turning towards, allowing, getting to know. You know, that's, it's a friendly attitude. Oh, who are you? What, what's your thing, you know? And so it's just like, oh, this body's breathing. I didn't notice this today. Look at that. Oh, it's alive. This body's alive. It's tingling. It's resting. It's hot or cold or touched by wind or silence. So it's sensitive. So we become aware of the... So it's the field of the heart. So if it's available, inviting a little... Benevolent, something like this, non-violence, a little warmth or coolness, however you want to think about it. And then the last thing I'll say, it's already a lot of things. No? Just if you want, if you remember, and I'll invite that again during the sitting, is uh, there's a particular view, like a particular point of view we're invited to have, play with, consider and the view is that what's going to be happening here on the cushion is um, not, it could be seen as very personal. Me sitting here and my backache or my agitation or my calm or my breath. But what I find beautiful, and that's probably w one reason why I, I'm still there after many years of this, doing a lot of this is because... It, this touches me, I, I like that so I, I'd love to be able to, to share this in some way transmit this in some way but to me when we sit like this it's, uh, it's a way to enter humanity because what we're going to be experiencing is natural is human nature is uh, universal so if you're calm, if there's calm in you amazing that happens to human beings. It's not it's of the do public domain, we could say. It's, there's democracy around calm. And worry also is available for beings. You know, touch, ease, dis-ease, uh, boredom, uh, intimacy, presence. All this completely available to human beings. And it fluctuates, and they don't even get to decide so much. You huh? can decide, like, okay, I'm going to feel great and be calm, and you sit there and you feel crooked and off and, you know, occupied in some way, preoccupied, you know. So whatever you're going to be experiencing, we're going to be experiencing here, uh, is going to be uh, universal. That's the idea about it. So see if what it does to you. Maybe that's not your door to practice. For me it is. I'm like, wow, amazing. 
just when I was about to think that I was apart from human nature or, you know, like not belonging or something, you know, some kind of impression of isolation. Suddenly there's like, wow, heart beating, universal, breath, universal experience. So that's our way to encounter, that's one way to encounter others, is to notice what we have in common here. Hands resting is... uh, belongs to everyone and is ephemeral so could that could that be could that be the few words to start the practice so we're already practicing I think but yes of course you can change posture and make it a little bit more comfortable if you want or a little bit more uh, awake whatever posture you're in there's going to be two qualities invited. So, relaxation, allowing. You know, so we don't have to make something happen, so not force, not tense, but as much as possible to allow ourselves to ease our, uh, ourselves in, the pr- in this uh, posture. So that's one quality. The other one is wakefulness. We're awake or interested in what's happening. So we're not just relaxed. We're one part relaxed and one part awake, intelligent, sensitive, some, something of, of that nature. The eyes can be open or closed, however it feels uh, right or safe or appropriate for you. don't have to create anything to get anywhere, produce anything. It's really just a quality encounter with the real. So we'll probably notice that there's a body sitting here. And it's in this shape, in this inner shape right now, maybe tired or achy or at ease or quiet. And we just see if we can allow the body to be just as it feels right now. Can that be okay? That it's like this. but is sensitive to heat and cold temperature. Inner temperature, but also the temperature as it touches the body from outside.
this body sitting here is uh, is breathing. We can become aware of this. We will at some point, probably. The body is breathing by itself. and allow that process to happen naturally breath being short or long or deep or shallow just as it is probably a little uneven some in breath deeper than others body sitting, breathing, is also sensitive to uh, sounds. So there's the hearing happening, that (coughs) particular sensitivity to vibrations. We can become fully aware of this. Notice the alive, dynamic nature of the world through hearing. So simply connecting with life through hearing, through becoming aware of the breathing process, the breath. There might be other sensations you feel, like the hands resting, warm hands, cool hands, tingling hands. even at some point become aware of uh, attention itself mindfulness itself what it is like to be attentive what's the felt sense of that what's that experience like
you might discover um, qualities of this attention. Maybe it's friendly, or calm, or scattered, agitated. Just become aware of the quality of your attention. No judgments, it's just factual. The attention is a little sleepy here. Or quiet, curious. bored. Maybe attention is touched by sounds or sensations. The attention is vague, a little lost, or caught in thoughts. Maybe we can awaken to that, become awake to that. Wake up, gone, caught, lost, entranced. Just come back to something happening here now touch of the hands, movements of the belly, even if it's uncomfortable to be here, see if you can allow discomfort to be known, to be experienced without trying to change it. If the heart or the mind is spacious or at ease, let yourself experience that ease if it's there. neither pleasant nor unpleasant could you be there anyway could that be possible to remain here 
might get forgetful instead of mindful. Instead of having caring presence, we might be lost in thoughts. So at some point we become aware of this. And we reset the intention to explore the present moment. Being aware of sitting, of breathing. Being aware of hearing. Even if it's inhabitual, it's uncomfortable, see if you can be here for a few more minutes. The mind wants to get reflective or wants to plan or solve some problems. Just say, not now, honey, not now. We're developing sensitivity, calm, presence. Amazing qualities that will be useful later. Presence, curious and calm presence. If your eyes are closed, I'm inviting you to open your eyes and continue the practice for a few moments with eyes open.
just seeing if there can be this uh, simple full presence to the body sitting or in its posture with eyes open is it possible to feel the body breathing or hear the life outside maybe in the room Maybe even to be aware of the state of the heart or mind now. The quiet attention that is there, or boredom, or frustration, if it's what's there. Whatever is there. Can you, while sitting here, be aware of that, the quality of the mind right now? good practice to do it with eyes open it helps to integrate this in our life because we might be doing this later waiting for our puts in our ice cream (laughs) 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 an opportunity to practice when we'll be uh, you know in the bus or the subway or walking on the street so I'll ring the bell to officially end the sitting but see if you want to keep something going, even if the sitting is finished. time what we're learning to feel so we this is going to be information now but the idea is to embody it to integrate it to feel it to to actually know this not in a informative way but in a felt sense so that when these words are said there's a reference in the body yeah i know that so we're kind of cultivating a kind of a presence that has fullness to it it's not kind of disconnected, half there, little blase. It's a presence that is full and quiet, quiet or calm or balanced. These are different words to describe it. Words, they are only pointing. They're pointing to what? To an, an experience that uh, one learns to mm, feel, recognize, invite. Uh, so... So we do this in this practice here where we come to this room. So that's this room at this time of the day and we're sitting on that cushion or chair or we're laying down and we're practicing that kind of presence. And we're using these conditions, that weather. Another day would be different, a little hotter or colder. Another day the sound would be different. It would be more screaming coming from the kindergarten <laughs> next door, you know, or some, something, you know. And we're just like, we come here and we use, th- and the body another day would be feeling different, sick or healthier or more centered or more off in some way, you know, hard to be with or light or heavy. And the heart, same thing. Today, these are the conditions. We all have different conditions. You know, some of us are tired, some of us are light and joyful. And Next week, there would be other con- inner conditions. Maybe you're the same. But we use the presently arisen conditions to practice a quality of presence, like a fullness of presence. Uh, 
that is vibrant. You know? And so practicing this, later we'll find ourselves in other conditions, another location, maybe another mind state, maybe, and you know, maybe in the work environment, the family environment, alone in the apartment or with the cat. Or you know, we'll find ourselves meeting with what we love or separated from what we want. And it will remain the same practice. Can I be fully there with the experience of loss? With the experience of confusion? Wow, confused. With the experience of, I want this now, you know, and I'm not having it, you know, like, wow. Or with the experience of beauty. Wow, beautiful. With the experience of sweet, with the experience of uh, none of these. With the experience of neutrality. Not much happening. It'll be the same practice of, is it possible to be awake, here, fully present, vibrant? Why? Because usually it's the best way to meet any situation. Beautiful, difficult, or none of these. Best way is to be there. Best way for us, apparently, don't believe this, check it out. Apparently, people appreciate this a lot. You know, I was at the bank today, and uh, and there was at this. The, it was so porous. I was at the bank just waiting to to uh, be served. You know, and the, there was one person at the at the with the cashier, and or the bank teller is that the person working anyway? And there was something like the there was something happening that was not supposed to be happening, and the person was really like. I want to talk to the, you know, and, and the other was like, Let, let's see if we can figure this out because, you know, usually it's a small thing, you know, and, but something happened, you know. It's like, it should not be happening, it's your fault, and it's all, you know, and there was this charge, and I was like, oh my God, if this person could be calm and clear, you know, they, the boundaries could be really clear also, this is not working, we have to do something about this, you know, but it wouldn't be aggravating for this person and everybody else. And then you could see the teller was trying to be helpful, but was also getting a little edgy, you know. And suddenly they discovered there was just this slight little mistake in the number that the person was giving. You know, it was their fault, not the teller's fault, you know. And they were like, the system, and rah, rah, rah. And suddenly it's like, oh, it's moi, you know. <laughs> and then there was this old dance to, you know, remain a full human being, you know, instead of crumbling, you know. Like, oh, here Khan too would be appreciated, and, you know, because you're going to be flushed with shame and or justification, you know, you're going to try to pass on the responsibility anyway to the other, you know, and, it, and I could feel like, and I was getting a little like this, you know, I was like, oh, Pascal, please, like, be, let's be really aware, we need to help <laughs> all the ways we can here. Like, I can't actually get mad at this uh, person there because I'm going to get all worked up and... And anyway, it was really interesting, and I was saying, like, wow, we're very porous, you know, this is what we're contributing to each other, how, how do we do this? And when I do this, I don't, and when I say this, I don't mean that we're becoming carpet and that people can walk on us because we're so quiet, and, you know, it's not about this, it's about, you know, that's the best way to intervene at any level, I think, to have a clear mind, and you see this sometimes, it, uh, people will stand up to oppression and... Uh, you know, in all kinds of ways that we have in our society, you know, and people will say that doesn't work, you know, and there can be like a clarity. It's so, so uh, 
amazing that there's a I was uh, watching um, uh, President Barack Obama yesterday in town. You know, I don't know if you saw his discourse, but there was a there was something like as often we've seen him. You know, like so grounded and clear, and the mind like there was no like defending a point of view. You know, it was not contracted. It was like this is going to work out. This is what we have to do. We have to be really careful about this. You know, and we could do this together. And there was, it was a, to me, it was an embodiment of what we're trying to practice here. Because then we can, so we just, not just like that, we can stand up and do amazing things like this man uh, is doing now and has been doing for years. And so, um, and so we're practicing, being, we're using these circumstances. You might even think there's not much happening, it's boring, you know. Well, perfect. <laughs> can you actually be uh, open and vibrant in not much happening? Or do you succumb, is that the word, to boredom? Like, oh my God, there's nothing happening. Should be somewhere else, doing somebody, something else, being with other people, you know? Are you freaking out because there's not much happening? That's not a lot of stability. You know? So that's what we're practicing. Can that be okay? Can that be okay? Yeah. So uh, last uh, week, there was a retreat... Uh, uh, that I had the chance to be teaching with uh, Dr. Judson Brewer, who's uh, the director of research at the Center for Mindfulness at the University of Massachusetts. So somebody who knows, uh, has done a lot of research, is a psychiatrist and a neurologist, and he came with all his PowerPoints to show us how the brain works, how well-being and dis-ease uh, if if the, war, the way I'm using the word uh, as meaning now, the, the right meaning I wanted to have, you know, and uh, through the studying the brain. And so we were doing exactly what we were doing there, but it was punctuated by, oh, how amazing that research is so showing exactly what the Buddha was teaching 2,600 years ago, the same ways to be stressed and to release stress and confusion and misery and, you know, on a psychological level. And um, so there was one person, I'm just describing this because I think these examples sometimes are useful for us. And so uh, when we sit here, we notice how we're holding this situation here. And there's going to be a lot of similarity with later. A lot of it because there's going to be a body, there's going to be pleasant feelings and unpleasant feelings, there's going to be, you know, thoughts passing by, you know. And so we're practicing here in this laboratory as we were doing at the retreat. And so there was one person who said, was saying, uh, you know, like the first two days I was doing the practice, okay, sit, be with the breath, be with the body, be with the sound, you know, and like go walk a little bit because we do in the, the retreats, we do walking meditations. I would walk and then like, I was like, come on, you know, give me something else, you know, I'm doing fine, I'm fine seems like it's for people who are like really suffering and I'm fine these days, you know, so give me something else, you know, like a little juice a little bit, like oh, breath, breath, step, step, you know. And, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm exaggerating, but maybe not even. <laughs> and so this person said, and at some point, you know, maybe walking outside, doing the walk or sitting, I just, it be- become, became highlighted, my attitude. Like, was that, was I holding this with balance? 
I was holding this, and th- that's the word this person used. You could have, you could recognize different emotions. The naming can be really useful, but it doesn't have to be. It's just like an inside, vipassana. This is what we're practicing here. There's an inside. Suddenly, something stands out that it didn't stand out before. Before, I was right, and there was something missing in the retreat, you know. And suddenly, something comes in focus, and what is it? It's my attitude. And suddenly, this person was saying, like, wow, there was some kind of arrogance and cynicism that was unseen. Everything was filtered through that and suddenly I just said like wow is that what is that is that friend or foe is that reality or is just being entranced by a state of mind you know and so this person said suddenly I thought hey let's actually be there as we step you know and be there while we're in the forest if that's what's happening you know And this person said, and I think that I can be like this in my family, the people I love the most on earth. I might be a little bit like this when I'm with them unknowingly, you know, and opening to the stepping and opening to sitting in a room and seeing if I could be there, kind of opened something. It was very touching to actually see like, wow, there's a whole way to sense the world, you know, to be in connection with it instead of slightly dismissive, you know. I want something better, you know? It's like, wow, what, what is, is the problem the thing or the way it's held? You know? And so, interestingly, sorry, one of the ways that, um, I'm paraphrasing here and it's on my understanding, but one of the things that Dr. Brewer was doing was showing us uh, uh, CAT scans and MRI and things like this of the brain. And uh, he was talking uh, about kind of two different uh, states, a a state that we could describe as contracted and a state that we could describe as more expansive. And he was relating this to an area in the brain, and he was saying that area in the middle there, in the middle there, and maybe a little bit towards the back here. There's an area, anyway, that when we're not doing well, I'm putting this in my words, uh, it shows in the CAT scan, it's, it's uh, uh, colored, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, functioning, operating, you know, that's the area of dis-ease in the mind, you know, and heart. And, uh, and uh, other areas he was showing of when there is well-being, and then he was talking about the practices that we do in this, uh, and I'll name a few things. And he was saying how the Buddha, without having a CAT scan, could know that. And he was saying, and this I loved, because I don't relate so much to the explanations of the brain. In my, it's not my personality. There's, I can't feel my neofrontal cortex, <laughs> nor my something else, whatever it is, you know. And he was saying, you're right, you're right, because this... I, I, the expression was re- the expressions were really good. He was saying, "This is empty calories here. You can't feel this." Like if you read all the neuroscience, you're like, "Okay, let's have my neurofrontal cortex, you know, expand for compassion uh, accessibility." <laughs> you know, that's that's going to be hard. You know, but he was saying, "This is empty uh, empty uh, calories, and this is whole grain, because yeah. this is where you feel fear. This is where you feel love. This is where you feel." lack of ethics 
or a lack of integrity. This is where you feel boundaries, you know, like, oh my God, that's not working for me. I don't like that this person is saying this, you know, or whatever it is, you know, or, oh, that feels right, that feels, you know. And, and the Buddha, what he had as tools was this. This was, he didn't have access to brain imagery, you know, he had access to this. And this is perfect to actually give feedback. And so what we do here is that we become sensitive to this system so that we can learn about boundaries, about what is a contract, what are contracted states and what are expensive states. And he was saying, oh my God, this is so exciting because it totally matches the teaching. For example, he was saying a contracted uh, state could be, and you see if you recognize this, like when we like, no, I don't want this, I refuse, you know, he was saying this is contracted, so that region of the brain is highlighted when people are in that mood or attitude. Or, and when people turn towards something, get interested, curious about something, the mind opens up. And so that's really powerful instructions here. It's saying maybe you want to try turning towards the things that are that you would rather push away, you know? Not to make them happen, but if there is uh, something happening, like let's say there's conflict with m- moi and somebody else. And like, I don't want conflicts, I hate conflicts. He said, maybe, maybe there could be a benefit to actually turning towards, say, wow, we're not getting along right now. It's really hard for us to be together. Maybe seeing this t- saying this to the other person, but just personally, saying like, wow, it's hard for me. So turning toward, instead of like, I don't want to feel this thing. <gasps> oh, it's hard for us to be together these days, you know, at work or wherever it is, you know, right now. And see if you, I don't know, for me, energetically, I think I'm actually feeling it. It's like, oh, the Buddha talked about this in terms of the second arrow. It's like, not only is there a conflict, but on top of it, you don't want it. You know, that is painful, you know. So if there's a conflict and it seems unavoidable unavoidable right now, why not bring a little interest to what's happening or a little calm? This is what we're doing here when we're sitting. We're saying, can we actually hear sounds instead of dismiss sound? Can we actually allow it, allow even urban sounds of traffic to be present? Because they are, you know. So some kind of acceptance of getting engaged with, you know. And he was saying totally expensive and contraction is uh, benevolence. Benevolence, as soon as there's a little benevolence in the field, that region of the brain shuts down and other regions starts to uh, vibrate. And the Buddha, and he's not the only one, many other uh, great sages have uh, 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 promoted that, you know. And you, see, yeah, you see it in cultures, in culture, in different ways. You know, you see, uh, you know, you just think of uh, Dr. King. You know, saying, "We're gonna, you bastards, we're gonna love you until you, <laughs> you know, until you wake up." You know, and that kind of, uh, that kind of, this is expensive. You know, it's like, we're gonna, you know, we're we're not gonna retaliate. We're actually gonna. So uh, we have beautiful example archetypes, like really powerful archetypes of uh, of this uh, nature. Uh, and but it's for us also to uh, to be um, 
working on this, becoming interested in that. So another, I'll name just another one maybe of these states is, um, is that a contracted state is somebody that is uh, self-obsessed, uh, you know. Me, me tonight, me next week, me in the past, me this summer, me... Do you know? Do you know how this this is? Like, how am I perceived by the other, and what is the other thinking of me? And I, you know, and all this is so contracting. And he was saying, as the Buddha was teaching, relax a little bit the selfing if you can, you know. And this is a practice. It's not like in general. It gets really specific. The Buddha was teaching always this moment, moment by moment, not like oh, I should be less self-obsessed that that that's not the teaching the teaching is right now how could that be held a little bit less around me so here in the practice what do we do we sit here and we say can we allow hearing to happen and not make it so personal like oh it's natural that there is hearing oh there's fear it's alive it's really there or there's benevolence not like oh, I'm so benevolent always been loving, loving, and my family were loving, I'm so loving. I mean, do you see how I'm loving you right now? Mind-blowing. <laughs> you know, so relax, the contracted state of, uh, own, you know, owning, appropriation, colonizing, you know, acquiring, you know, wrongful appropriation, you know. Let go of this and recognize what is there here, you know. And, you know, what can we do with this? Oh, this agitation, how can this be? I'm so agitated, I'm always agitated, I will always will be, you know. Oh, there is agitation, it's a fact, you know. Maybe we can relax a little bit the uh, ownership, you know. Not lose the sense of responsibility. It's, it's a subtlety here, very important. But the relax, the making, uh, defining self by any movements of the heart and mind, you know. And, uh, and you can see this in contraction and expansion. I see this. If somebody says to me, Pascal, you've done that. I was not very considerate. And if I'm contracted, I'm like, oh my God, I'm a bad person, you know. It's not, it's hard to be. And if I relax and say like, oh, what was said? <gasps> it's true, I said that. But not with the, just the sense of this happened. You know, a little of the relaxation of the self. This is a practice. Oh, my God. <laughs> we have for a few decades here of relaxing that one. You know? And so, do you recognize some, something in that? So, the, Dr. Brewer was showing. And so, here we were. Some of us were in, um, we were in a series, no? Of the four foundations. Am I the only one in left in that series? <laughs> <laughs> so, the foundations. I'll say a few words on this. The foundations, the four foundations of mindfulness, is a teaching from the Buddha, is the different area of our experience in real time that we can be aware of. So in real time, we can be aware of uh, the first foundation, which is the body, everything material, the sensory experience. So the Buddha says, turn your attention to this. Instead of you later and all ideas about next week and the rest of your life, maybe it's a good idea to actually be aware of hearing, of breathing, of the posture, not in terms of uh, improving the posture, that's another practice, in just in terms of knowing I'm here right now. If you do that, a lot of 
things will open for you. If you're, you know, not like, because often where we are, where what we give attention to is something that is made up, you know, where I could be, where I should be. And so we have little attention to what is actually happening here. And so first foundation is bodily experience. Breath, warmth, cold, posture, all these things, activities of the body. If you're doing something, be there while you're doing it. Be aware that you're walking on the street. Often we walk on the street and we're somewhere else. Somewhere, sometimes nowhere, like in the no man's land, you know. Some, sometimes we're somewhere in the past, the future. And he's saying, first foundation, be aware of where you are while you're there. Be aware of what your bodily experience is. Second foundation <coughs> is uh, the experience of pleasure and displeasure and neutrality in real time, in uh, live. He says, when something is agreeable, become aware of it, because you'll probably find out that your mind can easily contract around pleasure. My God, need to keep it, want more. You know, oh my God, we have to do this again. What? Wait, we're actually doing it. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's not important. You know, we should plan to do it more. (laughs) But we're actually doing it right now. So that's a training, that's a practice to be there. So be aware of this. You'll see how the mind can contract around displeasure and maybe also how it can uh, release, open in displeasure. How amazing could that be? That there could be like, wow, there's an experience of loss, of separation from what is dear. Wow. That's so human. Not why me, but wow. Losing things. Such a human experience. You know? And so, in this pleasure, there could be a quality of presence that would... um, could be described as liberated or liberating. So first foundation, the troth. (laughs) Second foundation, the unpleasantness in the troth. And uh, third foundation is the states of the mind and heart in real time, moods, emotions. So we've talked about this if you've been here, many of you have been in the last few weeks, so first foundation, second foundation, third foundation, the inner life, the quality of the inner life in real time. And often, again, we're fascinated by, if this person has said that, I would feel like this, but they haven't said it, you don't feel like this. How do you feel right now, you know? If we do this, we're gonna. It's gonna be so great, or it's gonna be horrible if this happens. You know, wh- how do you feel right now? Do you know that you're excited right now, or you know, contracted right now about something that is not existing? Even you know, do I know that? You know? So waking up to states of mind—that's the Buddha's instructions. The fourth foundation. What is it? One way to describe it is the. Particular, so it's not the body, it's not the pleasure, displeasure, or neutrality. It's not this so much like all the states of mind. It's the passage, that's the way I'll choose to describe it today. It's the pa- passage from contracted states to open states. It's two lists. The five hindrances, afflictive emotions. And how we can go from afflictive emotions 
to beautiful qualities of mind. What are the beautiful qualities of mind? Calm, curiosity, uh, joy, joyful curiosity, joyful interest, enthusiasm for reality. Uh, these are developed naturally in practice. Uh, equilibrium, equanimity, yeah? the mind that doesn't fall into despair, that doesn't fall, fall into craving, grasping, clinging at things, but that can actually meet reality. This is what's being developed. So that's the descriptions, the qualities of a free mind or a mind that is onward uh, going, leading. And so the fourth foundation is in being particularly interested uh, from of the experience of contracted states and cultivating or going towards uh, state, states of mind that are helpful. When Joseph Goldstein was here a couple of weeks ago, some of you were there, uh, the feedback was really, really great. People were so happy that uh, he came. So this is a, a, a mindfulness teacher that's been teaching for 40 years, knows a lot. And my take of his uh, whole weekend of teaching was, for me, the invitation again to actually pay attention in real time because we... Like the message I was kind of hearing all the time was we're not so much the victims of our mind states as much as we believe it. Like, oh, I'm like this these days, you know, oh, I'm so you know, angry about that. And he was saying, it's tricky. We don't ac- exactly choose the mind states. It's not like, okay, I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm going to be all okay about it. You know, like it's not, it's not like this exactly, but still there is agency. And he was saying, oh my God, pay attention how you're holding this, because you might do a little little move in the heart or the mind, and you could go from contracted to liberated. The example, I don't know if I talked about this here last week, but an example that was uh, stood out for me was somebody was describing their work environment and how it was bringing sorrow to them. It was like, ah, the work environment, like the values there, like the comparing and competitiveness and efficiency at all costs and all this it's aggravating it's it brings and the person said it brings sadness to me it brings sadness and it brings sorrow and joseph said oh but be careful be really aware when you're in sorrow because there's a state of sadness where it's factual you're looking at how people are valuing something that don't is not leading to happiness and so it's sad to see the mistaken views and culture, you know. And so you, there could be a sadness, but it could be sad in a way that is free in a way, you know, like, wow, this is how it is. So with equilibrium, with care, with compassion, you know, wow. And with clear seeing, you know, <coughs> this is not working out so well, you know, people are getting worked up and... You know, they seem to be suffering, you know. And there's another one where you're aggravated by it. Mm-hmm. And it's your work partly uh, to actually be mm-hmm. become really attentive. And there might be, you might be able to make the difference between the two states. And so that you could actually survive or, you know, have more energy for creative thinking, for you know, speaking up in some ways or changing the culture, whatever would be appropriate to go or, 
or to get more involved or to accept if it's uh, impossible to change. But you were saying, be really careful about your mind state. And I thought that was a very liberating message. It was like, you, you don't have to feel sorrow. Maybe, maybe if you get really curious, turn towards the sorrow instead of just being entranced by it. Oh, it's so bad, so bad. Become interested in the state of the mind. And see if there's another way you can hold that. And then he was having another exchange with uh, um, a woman, a mother, who was, uh, it seemed, uh, we didn't get the full story, we didn't need it, but there was worried about her children or one of her children and the choices they were making. And, and he was again like saying like, oh, be careful how you hold this because there could be, you know, there's a way to hold this where... I'll put this in my words now, is you, you don't have control. We don't have control, human beings, you know, over others. We don't have control. There can be a way that we might be able to say, like, wow, look at that. We don't know what's coming for the people we love, for ourselves, and we don't have control. And there could be there could be a mind that is expensive or a heart that is expensive in that. It could also collapse and it would make sense that it would. But we're interested in waking up in this world where we don't have control. Absolute control over things and others and what they'll say and do. And we don't know also what's coming. And is that possible that it would be the same situation but held a little bit differently in a way that would probably be beneficial for oneself and probably could be very beneficial for the whole system. You know, if somebody can come and have that kind of uh, equilibrium, this equanimity, and say, wow, we actually don't know what's going to happen for you with the choices you're making right now. Wow, I care a lot about you. And, you know, not easy, clearly not easy. Do you do you recognize something of value in that? I th- I think for me, I like the idea of being freed a bit inwardly from being oppressed from situation, but also how one can contribute to a system by offering, contributing uh, courage, honesty, clear seeing, uh, capacity to hold, you know. And so that's what we're doing when we come here. We're developing these qualities so that we can go back to whatever systems we belong to and wake up, you know? And that's at any scale. It could be the system of the psyche. It could be the system of a small nucleus, whatever it's called, you know, of a group, of a small, you know, tribe or family. And it could be as a much bigger system, you know, in this uh, society we live in, there's many people who are unseen, unheard. They're not given voice, you know. So it will take a lot of courage to, for some of us to actually admit that, to say like, oh, hold on, we haven't cared about everyone equally here, you know. And to actually uh, be able to... F- without falling into guilt and denial and no, we're all one, you know. Like, no, actually, we don't treat everybody equally. And how, 
you know, for transformation to happen, it will need expansive states of mind, you know, not contracted states of mind. It will need uh, these qualities. And so the fourth foundation of mindfulness is this particular passage, this interest we can bring in real time. That's the teaching. In real time, moment by moment. Not generally. Oh, generally I should be careful about, you know, being contracted and being more, you know, beautiful qualities of mind. No, right now. Right now. How am I holding this moment? Becomes extremely powerful. This is what they call neuroplasticity. The way I'm holding this moment is a training. I'm training myself to go at the bank later <laughs> and find out that my account has been closed. <laughs> you know, or whatever. So, any questions or comments or nuances around that? what you call big sky we could actually try it a little bit here but often when I've seen it being uh, taught is at the end of retreats and sometimes at the end of long retreats you know when people have been sitting for a few weeks when the mind is already very gathered you know instead of scattered so I, again I'm going from contracted if we use that language to open so instead of the mind being scattered oh my god this 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 a mind that actually can stay can stay you know, where there's quiet. Also, it's not, again, it's not so discursive. Oh my God, I have to find a solution. But it's, you know, that quiet, a quiet mind, a calm mind usually is not so discursive. It doesn't have so much to say. It's actually taking in, you know. <coughs> and so these, sometimes they take a few days to develop to a certain level. Um, and also what we're doing in this, in this practice is that we're going under assumptions, under the assumptions we have about anything, preconceived ideas. So it's not the preconceived idea about the hand, it's actually the experience of the hand, tingling, 
So the preconceived ideas that I have a hand, I always had a hand, and it's mine, and you know, it's bo- kind of a boring subject to talk about. Like, why do we even talk about hands? You know, <laughs> and then in the awareness, you know, when it gets more refined and developed, it's like, wow, this is a whole system that is alive. You know, that's a, a field of tingling or heat or space. You know, so we let go of our habitual thinking of the image of a hand. You know, and we discover what is the experience right now. So that level of investigation, we call it, a presence, is uh, often needed for the mind to be able to expand to what we call big sky. But still, we could, uh, we could, uh, we could try it. We have a, a few minutes, and so you'll know a little bit big, what we call big sky meditation. So maybe we could even, uh, yeah, let's try it for a few minutes, and we'll see after what happens. And so, yeah, find a posture that is. Uh, comfortable, you could lay down or you could stand up if you want for a few minutes. And I'll do it in uh, the expensive mind in this way in two ways. So we'll try two versions. And we'll see how it can apply to um, emotional or physical pain. So we're sitting here, just aware of the body sitting. The sensations of the, you know, points of contact with the floor. Sensations of breathing. The impressions of... uh, coming from hearing. And then if you want to, you could think the following thought. Um, You could think, I am, and put your full name there, I am so-and-so. And I'm uh, meditating right now. So think that sentence a few times. I am your full name and I am uh, meditating right now. Say that a few times. Think that. And feel if it feels right or awkward or however it feels. a good description of what's happening. And then try it slowing down the w- and leaving a gap between the words just to see what's in, what's in the gap. <coughs> Thinking again at a regular speed, a couple of times more. And 
And then if you want, drop the last uh, part of the sentence and keep just the I am and your full name and feel that. How the, does that feel? Drop the family name and just keep the first name. I am and your first name and feel if it feels as right or more right or strange or what. And if you want, drop even the first name and keep just the first two words of the sentence, I am. Feel that. Uh, how it feels. To think that. And drop the verb and keep just the pronoun. Drop the pronoun. as you're sitting here let go of the idea of uh, inner and outer if you want let go of the idea of walls and roof and floor just if you want go of the idea of mine or not mine just allow uh, sensations to be there almost like stars in the sky little points of sensations tingling and the impression idea of the mind become wide the mind vast like sky no uh, inner or outer just open space let go of the idea of even arms and legs just allow tingling to happen
mind vast like sky sounds appearing almost like uh, northern lights passing through stars same thing with thoughts just happening in the vast sky-like mind heart more inside or outside more boundaries just space and in it sensations, impressions more owning allowing life to be free from appropriation freeing the breath thoughts vast benevolent space and if your eyes are closed maybe vast velvet like uh, benevolent dark space being held in the vastness everything can come and go freely breath freed to happen, sounds, thoughts, emotions, sensations, all freed from owning, happening in the vast field of consciousness. And so, I don't know how that felt, probably very different for 
many of us. But uh, that could be a way to actually allow things to be as they are, you know, pounding or piercing or aching. You know, and, uh, so the relaxation, the expansiveness is around the notion of space and con- being contained and stuck in. But also the expansiveness is in the releasing of the ownership and the defining and, uh, you know, identifying with experience. And so usually it, it's helpful to so not make it a personal thing, but, oh, you know, as the Buddha said, you know, the earth element, the earth element, you know, people recognize it like the hardness, if your belly is hard or if it becomes hard on the butt. So human beings, they rec- recognize this, but there's a difference between, uh, difference between the wise one and the unwise one. The uh, wise one, they stop there. They say, oh, hardness, hardness. The unwise one, they make it theirs. You know, my hard belly, or whatever, you know, hot nuclear war in the belly. You know. And the Buddha said, no, the elements, they belong to nature. There's a wrongful appropriation, you know. Relatively, it's good to say, "Yeah, I'm going to go to the doctor because I'm suffering," you know. But there's the uh, the extra that the Buddha says, "Oh, but we know the language. We use the language, but we we know the limit of the language. We know that we don't get to own anything, you know, and that life ha- has its way to be. And so, some things are throbbing, sometimes piercing, sometimes lightness, like there is in the sky, you know, meteorology, you know." But it's not easy. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Good. I remember on the long retreat, I was uh, I think it was a two-month retreat, and at some point, the, the, one of the teachers did that, you know. And usually they would uh, lead the meditation in the morning, and the rest of the day after we practice on our own, but there's a meditation in the morning, but following the meditation, the guided meditation, there's a few announcements for the community of things to take care of, you know. And so he, do, he does this thing, and my mind completely opened, you know, and there was no more boundaries, and I kind of was like floating in space, you know. It was all like kind of light and joyful, and, uh, and suddenly it was finished, but I was still like this, and suddenly he says, there's a Honda Civic in the parking lot with its <laughs> lights on. <laughs> I burst into laughter. It was, it was such a like coming back to reality. <laughs> like, who owns a white Honda Civic with the lights on? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay. So, um, so that's pretty much it, I think. So I hope in there there was a little something that can uh, help us be, uh, you know, uh, live better in our own heart, but also become um, worthy uh, citizens, sharing the planet uh, together with uh, all other uh, beings, you know, no one excluded. It's going to take a lot of care, (laughs) honesty and clear seeing. So please, uh, thank you. Uh, I, I think this is the last of uh, this uh, visit, and I'll be back at some point in the fall. And uh, you, 
it'll be on the schedule of this uh, center here of yoga in the park but also if you want to see and there are things that I do if you want to come on a retreat you you can go on pascaloclair.org and just see if there's something that uh, interests you an adventure you would want to go in uh, and on the way out, you'll see there's two bucks. One to support the center here, who are offering their space for us joyfully. And one for the teacher, who is also offering his, the, the, not his, but the teachings uh, joyfully. And so thank you for this sustainability of that uh, endeavor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.